Well, I'm just sick of the way things are. Well, I'm just sick of it. Yeah, I'm so sick of it. Well, I'm just sick of the way things are. Well, I'm just sick of it. Yeah, I'm so sick of it. Hi, everyone. This is Harrison Goodale, co-founder of Sustain Music and Nature, and welcome to another episode of Songscapes. Today, Charles Coplin speaks with folk punk artist Mason Runsthrough. Mason is a talented interpretive ranger with Dinosaur National Monument, who we actually met this past summer while running another Sustain program. As a member of the Nakoda tribe, his solo project, Wounded Knee, explores themes of identity, environmental, and social justice. The scars, they don't disappear. When I when I play music, um, it's under the name Wounded Knee. Just just simply Wounded Knee, typically. Um, yeah, I mean it's a solo project right now. The idea was always I wanted it to be a band, um, and that just like hasn't really ever it hasn't really panned out quite yet. So it's one knee. Wounded knee. Not that you would call your band yeah. wounded knees, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah I got yeah, it. It's one, one knee. Yep. <laughs> so, so, but you're a bit of a renaissance man. I mean, you kind of fall right in the main access of music and nature. So, can you talk a little bit about? I don't want to call it your day job, but you know, obviously, you you're you're very attached to the land and 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 to a national park. So, can you talk a little bit about about sort of what? Well, you can talk about Wounded Knee and your music. We'll get into that as well, but oh, for sure, yeah. a little bit more about what you do. Uh, yeah. So uh, right now I'm a park ranger, um, uh, just working seasonally. Um, so kind of moving park to park. Um, but uh, right now I'm a I'm an interpretive park ranger at Dinosaur National Monument in uh, northeast Utah, um, just right along the Colorado border, part of the parks in Utah, part of the parks in Colorado. Um, and so what that means is as an interpretive ranger, that's what we call ourselves now. Um, I believe the term used to be naturalist. Um, it's, it's gone through like some different terminology for what kind of park ranger we are, but essentially what it is, is, uh, it's the education, uh, branch of the national park system. Um, interp is, uh, doing the educational programs, um, providing information to people, helping them understand the park. Uh, the way I look at it is interp. Um, we're called that because we interpret the park for people. Um, not necessarily that we are like translating, you know, languages. A lot of people think when we say interpretation, we're talking about uh, language to language, which I am bilingual. I do speak Spanish. Um, but uh, yeah, interpretation refers to um, interpreting the information of the park and making it digestible for people. So when, when visitors come to the park, what do you want them to leave learning, knowing what, 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 what is kind of your hope that they take away from their experience? Oh, um, more than anything, I just hope that people understand the importance of, uh, preservation and, um, the importance of having public lands. Um, I grew up here in Utah, um, Utah is about 60 some odd percent uh, public lands. And there is a lot of public pushback on that um, because it stops industry. It stops a lot of other things. Uh, people want to be able to have, you know, this unlimited access to lands. Um, 
And uh, for me, public lands have always been really super important. Um, you know, and I want people to understand the why, why it's so important. Um, why there are going to be areas where you can't go off-roading, why you can't just be, you know, running ATVs everywhere. Um, my last job was actually working at a park that was very focused on ATV and HOV um, recreation. It was working for the Bureau of Land Management at a park called Little Sahara and it's sand dunes. Um, and people just absolutely destroy that place. Like it is, um, it's a tough thing to watch sometimes. Um, but like versus that, like going into the national park system, uh, where the idea is rather than just conservation and keeping it so that people can, um, the way I look at it is we're, we're not just con- conservation is more focused on the idea of uh, human consumption, keeping it there so that we can use it up. Whereas preservation is about keeping it the way that it is so that future generations can still see exactly what we're seeing. And did you, do you feel that the, well, first of all, maybe we should start with, so I've been to Zion and I've been to Bryce and what, for those who haven't been there, like myself, how do you describe dinosaur national monument? Cause obviously you, in your mind, you're thinking dinosaurs. So, which you're not going to see if you go to dinosaur national monument, at least live ones anyway. So, right, right. you know, that's a trite way to, to phrase it, but like what, what is unique about this specific park? Dinosaur National Monument is really unique because not only does it have dinosaur bones, there are a lot of fossils there. Um, But the thing that's really unique about this park and something that's made it stand out uh, throughout its history is, um, so the park was originally established in 1915 um, for the dinosaur bones. It was the dinosaur quarry where they were, the Carnegie Museum had come in and actually had removed a bunch of dinosaur bones. Uh, It was that quarry and then about 80 acres around it. But eventually uh, the park was expanded in the, in 38 to include another 200,000 acres of Canyonlands territory of uh, area following the Yampa and the green rivers. Um, And that to me is what makes it super special is, uh, this area has been used for thousands upon thousands of years uh, by people for that same reason, for the reason that the the land is the way that it is and the reason that I think people should want to come there and should leave understanding uh, is those rivers, those two river corridors. And, um, you know... Uh, to me, the thing that makes the park really special, the reason I wanted to work at this park, um, is uh, the the Native American presence uh, that has always been in this area. Um, there's a lot of petroglyphs and pictographs that are still very, very well preserved in the park um, that are very easily accessed by people uh, because uh, the park roads follow pretty much the same trails that those natives were using when they lived in that area. Um, and as part of that, uh, even up until after the park was originally established in, like I said, 1915, uh, there's evidence of the U Indians, uh, still living in that inside of the park boundaries, uh, well into 
uh, the late 1920s at the very latest, like uh, possibly even later. Um, and that would have been in a post-reservation world where uh, it was actually illegal for them to be living off reservation. And so you, you're Native American yourself, is that correct? Yes, I am, yeah. And what's your ancestry or what? Um, so I am, I'm Nakota. I'm, uh, better known as the Assiniboine. I'm from Northeast Montana originally from the Fort Peck reservation. So this is really, all of this is kind of the way you grew up. It's in your blood. Um, Absolutely. it was there. Do you have, I ask all my guests this question. Do you sort of have a favorite public lands moment? I knew you, you knew I was going to ask you that I, question. I did know. I did know. I, I can see you sighing because like, you know, you don't have your answer ready, but. Uh, yeah. And it's because there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments. Um, I mean, it can be, first of all, you're not limited to one answer, but it, if there's something like, what's the first thing that comes into your brain when I ask you that question, uh, where are you the, going? The first thing that comes into my brain, uh, <laughs> is a couple of years ago um this is kind of how i got involved with interpretation and started uh looking at a career in the national parks um i was living on the blackfeet reservation in central montana um which borders the entire eastern border of glacier national park um i was hired to do just um uh, i was doing hour-long programs for the park uh through a program that they have called native america speaks uh, Native America Speaks is a very long-running program. It's been running for, I want to say, 30-plus years. Um, and what the park does is actually they get Native Americans from the local communities uh, to come in and do presentations. And um, it happens throughout the whole summer. Um, and so I was doing traditional storytelling for them um, because that's that's part of my connection to my culture is I, I tell traditional stories. Um, and, uh, I remember I had this really cool experience where, um, they, they had a presenter, uh, not come through. I was actually just doing presentations on the Blackfoot reservation, um, at their campgrounds, which was like a, an associate program that they were doing. And they asked me if I would cover, uh, for one of the presenters who couldn't do it for, inside of the park. And uh, I had the opportunity to go do storytelling at uh, Two Medicine Lake, uh, which is on the east side of the park. And um, just remembering how, how awesome of an experience that was. Um, Two Medicine Lake is a glacier lake that is um, made up pretty much all of glacier runoff uh, and sits inside of the mountains there uh, up at Glacier. And it's just this gorgeous area. And um, I had this really, really cool opportunity to do storytelling there. And, um, that was just a really awesome experience for me. Stay with us. More from Charles and Mason after the break. wonder why conservation messaging has such a hard time reaching people? So did we, and that's why we started Sustain Music and Nature. We take a celebratory approach, showcasing the beauty of public lands through music. Music reaches everyone. Our mission is to make music a force for nature, 
when you watch one of our National Park music videos, or attend a concert out on the trails. Our goal is for you to be inspired to enjoy and support these at-risk areas. Public lands belong to all of us, and music is the perfect way to bring this message to everyone. Consider a one-time donation or join our Patreon to help us create exciting programs and musical collaborations that celebrate and protect public lands for all. You can make music a force for nature. Learn more at sustainmusicandnature.org. We've heard a bit about Mason's connection with public lands, his native heritage, and love of storytelling. Charles and Mason turn now to how his project, Wounded Knee, combines these passions. So, I mean, in addition to your work um, at the parks, you are a musician. You put out an album in 2017, Acoustic. Um, and I, and I have a quote from you that says you make emotionally charged music for a world that's forgotten how to feel. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that and also how your sort of talents as a storyteller, kind of all, how all of these things come together for you when you're communicating and you're trying to get the world to feel. Yeah. Um, so this project came about, um, as, as a need to like, uh, I had been, I've been playing music for most of my life now. And, um, I had been in a few different bands, mostly playing in punk bands. Um, and, and I've always had this real connection to, um, this idea that growing up, you know, as, as somebody who is a, a cis male, uh, growing up in today's world, I was taught, you know, not to share my emotions, not to, uh, not to cry, things like that. But I've always been very quick to cry. Um, yeah, that and, toxic masculinity thing. Yeah, that we're, exactly. We're all victims of. Yeah, yeah. This toxic masculinity that um, I've just never—it's never been a part of who I want to be. Um, so my music's always been very emotional, um, and talking about the things that are actually happening to me, and talking about the things that I know are happening to the people around me, and. Um, but the thing that had always been really hard for me is to express myself as a native person. And, um, so I started this project as an, as a way to do that through my music. Um, and so, uh, the songs that are on acoustic are the first songs that I wrote about my experience as a native person and not strictly just talking about mental health or, uh, relationships or things like that. Um, and, and then my whole, idea behind that was um just wanting to be able to express that and wanting to not feel ashamed for who i am uh not only as just the person in general but as a native person and um when i play music um the best thing for me is um getting to to make an emotional connection with people um 
I like to play small venues and to really packed rooms with like just people, people who are there to just listen. Um, I've always said, you know, uh, I've, I've played a few gigs for like bars and things like that. And it's just not the right setting for what I play. Um, you know, I, I can't help, but observe the paradox between you saying you like to play small venues and then as a storyteller work in the big rooms like dinosaur national monument, there's, there's, there's yeah. definitely a paradox there, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, as, as a storyteller, I, I do end up having every now and then some really large crowds for it, but you know, um, it's, uh, it's funny. You'd think that like someplace like Glacier, you know, you'd have these really huge crowds for these programs, but most of the time it was, you know, somewhere between 20 and 40 people, um, showing up to any given night. Um, what, what kind of, what kind of people are coming? Are they, and, and has that changed since the pandemic, since climate change, since the aging of the baby boomers? Like what, who's coming? What are they, what are they doing? Are you reaching them? Do you feel like you, you're making a difference? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if there's been a huge shift in what kind of people are coming, uh, because of the pandemic, I think people have always, you know, have always liked going to the national parks. It's always something that people do when, you know, they're trying to plan like a road trip or whatever. Uh, we get a lot of families. We get a lot of senior citizens. Um, and, and right now we're not actually doing programs just because of COVID. Um, but we do have those opportunities to do what we call, you know, informal interpretation where, uh, where we sit and we talk to a group of people um, just because they have questions and we want to answer those questions for them. Um, and I do feel like some people are easier to reach than others. Um, sometimes there is like this weird thing where people ask you questions and some questions just aren't easily answered. Uh, they take a bit of time to answer. And uh, sometimes you will get people who seem kind of annoyed that you can't just give them a quick, you know, couple word answer uh and it, it takes you know five ten minutes to give them a, an actual answer to what their question is um especially when we're talking about dinosaur bones and how they got there and why there's so many and things like that um well and also you're a storyteller and you, you know you're trying to uh go deeper with emotions and you know it's not like you're doing just sort of a, a transaction that's you know if you're if you're at a national park, I, I wouldn't think brevity is a priority in, in terms of getting an answer. But yeah, it takes all kinds, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, I, I would say that like a lot of people who are new to national parks, that's definitely not something they're expecting. They don't realize uh, visiting a national park takes time. Um, you know, a lot of people come in and they want to be able to do the whole thing in an hour, and I, I always tell them, I was like, you know, if you've only got an hour. Like you're going to be able to go do the dinosaur bones and that's pretty much it. Um, and just because of the large size. So dinosaur national monument is about 210,000 acres, give or take um, it just to see like the, the main attractions, like the, the big points. I always tell people, you know, plan two days, give yourself two days to do this. Uh, it's a lot of driving. It's a lot of traveling to get to the things. And then a lot of time to actually sit there and process it. Um, and uh, 
uh, it's pretty exhausting. I mean, I, I took my own family there and uh, it took us two days and we were just able to hit some highlights and uh, that was about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really get the fact that you roll in there and be in a rush, but you know, as I said, it takes all kinds. It takes all kinds, for sure. Let, let me go back to your music for a second. Um, so the, you know, acoustic was four years ago now. And I keep thinking acoustic, and I don't know if that was intentional on your part. but, but Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, because I know you use the acoustic guitar primarily on the record. But um, are you going to put new music out? Are you, is this something, because four years is a long time. It is a long time. Um and more than anything, it's uh, my limitation on being able to get recorded. Um, I don't have a lot of disposable income, um, especially as like a new dad. I've got a two-year-old, an almost three-year-old. Uh, I've got another kid on the way. Um, and doing this seasonally, like I just don't have very much disposable income right now. Um, I, I did put some more music out just last year um, through my band camp. It's not on my streaming services. Um, and they're rough demos that I recorded myself. Um, that was in, uh, response to the George Floyd, um, protests, um, living here in small town, central Utah. Um, I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of opportunities to be involved with that because, uh, political activism is really important to me. Um, and, you know, demonstrating and going to protests and going to rallies, um, it's always been a big thing to me. And, and because we were in a, pandemic and you know i'm like in the middle of nowhere um i didn't have an opportunity to really get involved with that and um i wanted to be able to give into that so uh i i had five songs that i've been sitting on that i've been playing at shows but haven't recorded um and i finally sat down and i just did some rough recordings uh just here at home uh along with the cover of buffy saint marie and uh put those out and donated all the money to um to the different bail funds for the George Floyd protests. Well, that's cool. Good for you. I mean, I can tell that you're trying to make a difference in a number of ways and sometimes real life gets in the way. And um, the good news for you is to some degree, it sounds like you get the muse out mm -hmm. from your stories as well. I, another question that I, that I ask all my guests um, before I let them go is, is there that one song, and you know, I think you probably knew I was going to ask you this too, that, that sort of comes to mind when you're going to a place you're very positive about nature, whether it's your own song or it's it's somebody else's. Is there is there uh, that one song? Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've got two. I've got, I've got an answer Two is fine. I, I, two. I will take two. Um, so the first one that comes to mind uh, is actually a traditional uh, native uh, drum song. Uh, it's called Baja Zappa, which means uh, Black Hills. It's the Black Hills song is what we call it. Um, and it talks about um, going to the Black Hills, which are like a really sacred place for my tribe and for a lot of Northern Plains tribes. Um, and uh, it talks about going up there to to pray and to, to dance and to, um, to, to ask for those things you need, that, ask for that strength that you need. Um, with all of the people, with, with the people you're with. Um, 
And that's that's a really special and important song to me. Um, and it's a song that I often play um, when I do my storytelling. Uh, I'll usually start my storytelling programs with a hand drum song. And uh, a lot of times, more often than that, that's, that's the song I go with um, because that song really helps me feel really centered and really grounded. Um, and especially if I'm doing it outside, like uh, I just always think it's a really good way to... Um, to respect, but also to um, give thanks to the area that we're in. Um, especially like when I was up in Glacier and was able to sing that for the mountains and the hills up there. Um, that was always like a really important part of my programs for me. But uh, then the other song that comes to mind is uh, a song called Brisket by uh, Nako and Medicine for the People. Um that song, um, I, I associate pretty strongly with a memory of, um, uh, in, when was that? 2017, I think also 2017, uh, during the, um, Standing Rock protests, um, I had the opportunity, um, uh, that year for Christmas, uh, my entire family, uh, my siblings and, uh, my wife and I, we decided to, um, forego having Christmas and use all that money to go up to the Standing Rock protests and spend a week up there and uh, bring supplies to them, uh, but also um, spending time. Um, we mostly spent time cleaning camps and cooking and um, and digging snow because it was, you know, end of December in North Dakota and uh, just a lot of, a lot of snow. And, uh, and when we were leaving, um, that song came on and there's this line in it, um, where he says, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember how the lyrics actually go. Uh, let me see real quick. I don't want to butcher it. It's, uh, Mason's looking this up for those of you listening. He's he's, (laughs) he's trying to find this one. Um, Oh yeah, he says. Um, he says, "I dream of my future, and what it would be like to always have clean water, and if we left the trees standing and they filter the air and we breathe it in deeply." Um, yeah, that just really hit me hard, especially because you know the Standing Rock protests were about having clean water, and yeah. they were about about leaving nature the way it is, and and the fact that you know to so many of us uh, from the Northern Plains, so many of the Suian tribes, um, you know, the Missouri River is so sacred to us. And that was trying to protect the Missouri River. Um, And yeah, I just, now every time I think of that song, I think of that and I think of kind of when I feel like not only like this connection to the land, but this connection to my people and, um, I really think that the Standing Rock protests were this really defining moment in history where um, Native peoples really finally, for the first time in a really long time, we stood up and we said, you know, we're not taking it anymore. And and um, we really started to find our voice again. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think of when I think of that is uh, just finding our voice and finding our voice to protect the earth. All
Mason Runs Through was a storyteller, naturalist, and musician. Through his project, Wounded Knee, we can get a glimpse into some of the struggles that many Native Americans face, and that oftentimes remain unspoken. Listen to the album at woundedkneepunk.bandcamp.com. Songscapes is a production of Sustain Music and Nature. If you like this program, please subscribe, write a review, and give us a follow on our socials at Sustain Music and Nature. If you want to make a donation or are just interested in learning more about what else we do, check out our website at sustainedmusicandnature.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, see you out on the trail. Been trying to get over this, but it just gets harder and harder.